Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Indies on Nintendo, Pokemon, Color Splash, and Animal Crossing. Plus, we go deep on The Legend of Zelda, The Twilight Princess. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? Uh, I'm... Uh, wow. Caught me off guard. I was going to ask, Mark, how are you? <laughs> I'm do- Well, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm feeling confused about the weather. Oh, yeah. It was like rainy and cold today, which is great. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. It was like raining light. Yes. It's the kind of raining you would only call raining in, in Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Um, yeah. Anywhere else, you would be laughed out of the bagel shop. They would tell you to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, not here. Not here. But the thing that like, annoys me about it is that on th- by Thursday... Yeah, it's supposed to be back in the 90s. It's going to be like 100 degrees. I find this really irritating. I thought for sure when I moved to LA, mm-hmm. the land of perpetual summer, mm-hmm. that we would be done talking about the weather. <laughs> but it's just not the case. It just it happens, man. Like, what are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, here's something that's not weather related. That do go on. Is, uh, so I've been working in an office um, for the last like few months. Uh-huh. It's been great. And... Uh, Okay, so no in, complaints about the office no structure. Okay. No, not at <laughs> all. Uh, in the bathroom on the second floor, there's a automatic paper towel dispenser. Yeah, and uh, it makes a, a sound. And for like the past like month, I've been like, why does this sound so familiar? Every time, like every time a paper towel is dispensed, I'm like, oh, that sounds. And I finally figured out what it is. Can I make some guesses yeah, before please. you do? Uh, is it the sound that the smoke monster makes on Lost? No. Okay. Is it the sound of uh, Yoshi swallowing something? No, <laughs> but you're getting closer. Oh, I am. Yeah. Uh, is it the sound of uh, when Mario like uh, spin jumps on something you can't kill? Mm, colder. Oh, colder. Um, I don't know. Just tell me. Okay. Uh, you know, at the end of a level in Super Mario World, uh-huh. and there's like the sound where it's like, Bow, yeah, that's what it sounds like. What I've wanted to record it, but there's no good way to record something in a bathroom because either people are in the bathroom with you, right, or you're recording and somebody walks in on you recording something in the bathroom. There's just no good way. To okay, do it. you've got an assignment now. <laughs> figure you out a way to go in late. Uh huh. Like, after this, we'll go into your office. Right. And we'll record the sound, and then we'll play it back-to-back with the... I mean, it genuinely makes me happy oh, every okay. time I... Because there are better bathrooms in this building, but I like going to this one because the sound like give, brings me joy. Right. It gives you a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> like, you've just finished the bathroom level. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But no, I, uh, I don't know. What's, what's new with you? Oh, uh, geez. New with me. Um, uh, well, actually, let's let's use that actually to uh, segue into what what we've been playing. Sure. Um, because I spent the week slash weekend with Severed. Right. Um, Severed is the new ish game by uh the studio Drinkbox, um, who are the guys behind Guacamelee, which was one of my favorite games. Um, did you ever play Guacamelee? No. 
Um, so Guacamole has that Metroidvania like exploration mm-hmm. uh, style to it, but it's also really um, intensely focused on the combat. Um, the the fighting and brawling in that game is about as good as side scroll beat 'em up combat can be. Um, <clears throat> combat's just all very tight, and the platforming is uh, similarly tight. But uh, Severed is completely different from that, right? Severed is totally it is cosmetically similar. Mm-hmm. Um, in that it uses a uh, a very like high contrast like graphic art style um, that you know Guacamole was about a Mexican luchador um, in like a fantastical world and this has a lot of the same like visual flourishes but without being Mexican really mm-hmm. um, it just has a lot of the same like shapes and bright colors um, but the gameplay itself it's a um, a first person it's from a first person perspective and you play a a young girl whose uh family has been killed um and she's transported to uh a, a strange fantasy world um and you're walking around uh in, in first person but it's it's not uh you're not it's not like free roaming in in first person you're like advancing screen by screen kind of mm-hmm. um so that like you're in a room and while you're in a room all you can do is kind of like rotate around uh, or like go forward or go back um and the crux of the game is uh, like there are ex- exploration elements but the the whole game is based on a totally touched base combat system so um enemies need to be attacked by uh, swiping on the screen that's like your sword um and they have to be like in, in certain directions and they'll change up like how they're blocking and um, you kind of switch between, uh, you know, one or two or three or four enemies that you're fighting at one time, and you building up combos and getting your focus up, and um, you need to get your focus up so that when you kill them, you can uh, slice off limbs and like harvest them to level up your abilities. It's super cool. Uh, kind of, kind of a brief game. Uh, I think I beat it in like five-ish hours. Um, but I kept wandering around the world for the next like hour afterwards because I was I wasn't ready to let it go yet. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm super happy with this game. It came out last week for the Wii U and the three 3DS, but it was on other platforms before, right? Yeah, so it was on. It debuted on the Vita of all places, um, and then I think it's available on iOS as well. Um, but so one of the, I, I played it on on Wii U. And one of the things that I loved about it is you could put the whole screen up on the TV. Um, like, uh, otherwise, it's just touch-based, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you need to be able to see what you're swiping at and, like, where you're starting and where you're ending and all of that. Um, but the art is so gorgeous that, like, putting it up on the TV is, it was, is a huge treat. Like, you get to see all these awesome, weird monsters um, on a big, bright screen, um, which just doesn't really compare to having it on your phone or um you know on your vita or on the top screen of the uh uh 3ds yeah because so. it's cross by right yes so uh, did you like tr- check it out on the 3ds at all to see what it i mean i i i checked it out in that i just made sure to redeem my oh, sure, 3DS yeah. <laughs> copy yeah um and uh i i think that i i will the next time i'm on a plane i'll, I'll pull it out and um I'll play it on the 3DS and just play through it again because um, I, I liked it. But it was—it's a stressful game. Like the combat huh. is, like head was like vexing me. It had me like physically exhausted. Like I got kind of a headache playing it because like I was concentrating so much. Oh. Um. 
So yeah, that would that was my that was my experience with Severed. I recommend. Um, it's fifteen bucks. Uh huh. Uh, gets you gets you both copies. Um, or either copy if you only have uh one of them. Um, but yeah, if you want to spend fewer dollars than that, it is available on iOS. Um, and I think it's like seven or something there. So, so Patrick Eller seal of approval. Uh yeah yeah it gets my seal of approval. Right, put it in the book. In the book. Let's get let's get out. Mark. Oh uh, yeah, let's get out the book. Okay. All right. Well, it's book. It's heavy. <laughs> okay. Have to have to blow off the dust. We don't yeah. use it that often. All right, go ahead. Okay. Now, <clears throat> going to get the, the, the forceps mm-hmm. here, and I'm going to uh, sterilize them in the candle uh-huh. fire that we've got here. Mm-hmm. Open each here. Very good. Seal of approval. <laughs> And then we'll close it and put it away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I really enjoyed Severed, so would would recommend. Mark, what have uh, I've been jabbering for a while, and I apologize. But what have you been playing? Uh, I've been I actually just bought Animal Crossing New Leaf. Welcome to your town. Thank you. Even though it came out a few weeks ago, well, years the, ago. Yeah, it came, out, <laughs> it came out a few years ago, and the then game a, came out a yeah. few years ago, and then a few weeks ago came down in, in price. Yes. Yeah. And I was a big, big fan of Wild World, the uh, DS incarnation. Thank you. That was actually the first Animal Crossing I played, mm-hmm. and I thought it was great. I spent, you know, an uh, unbelievable amount of time in it. And the, I also had City Folk, the Wii version. Yeah. Was that the one that had like the microphone yeah. component? Yeah. Okay. I never, like, I never had an opportunity to use it. I didn't play City Folk for that long. For some reason. I don't know, like, it, it was basically Wild World with, you know, like, a small city element. Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't, didn't, I didn't take to it. I think, I think uh, with Animal Crossing games or games like that, like, if they hit you right, like, at the right time, then they can be magical. But if they don't, it's like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah, and I also think that even though it started life on the console, yeah, Animal Crossing just makes sense on mobile you know like make sense like on a mobile device like or and and when it will be on a mobile phone yeah that's when it makes the most sense yes like this is one of the animal crossing is one of the few franchises that it really does make sense that you could do a full-fledged animal crossing on mobile and not lose anything yeah not because there's no like uh action functionality right it's not like the controls have to be super precise um and it's just crying out for microtransactions. Uh, uh, heavens. <laughs> is it ever? But I'm, but I'm really enjoying New Leaf. The thing about New Leaf is because I liked uh, Wild World so much, you know how with a lot of these remakes, like most recently with Dragon Quest VII, the developers were talking about, like when you're remaking these games, you don't remake it like faithfully. You want to remake it in a, if they're doing their job right, they're doing it in a way so it's like, oh, it's the game you remember, sure. not the game that it actually was. They're remaking the spirit of it. Yeah, yeah. so like, you know, the like the combat might re- be refined and things like that, but that's because uh, if you actually go back and play it, it might be like tedious. Right. But so they want they want to leave the tedium behind. Are you finding that they have left the tedium behind in, in New Leaf? In, in a lot of respects. I mean, a lot of respects, New Leaf to me just feels like the perfect animal crossing game yeah okay. or like the best animal crossing game to come so far like it's feels very f- familiar mm-hmm. but the things they have added like you being the mayor and like having new uh like responsibilities yeah um, having to like bring up your poll numbers yeah, yeah yeah like all of that is 
just like adds more content um which i'm actually surprised because i remember even though i played a lot of wild world i remember there not being a ton to do you know it's like every day you yeah. just like check in you'd water your flowers you'd do like you know like a few things but it didn't take very long i'm finding in new leaf i'll i've been trying to like log in every day and send everybody in my town letters and like go <laughs> say hi to everybody and let, let me ask like you a this. lot I, to do i, I gotta know mm-hmm. when you write letters to the people in your town what do you say to them i i do you actually write things to them because when i was playing i i picked it up yeah. uh, when the price dropped a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. um and i would write them thing letters like i like your shirt yeah <laughs> okay i do for some reason i feel uh i never write anything crude no like me i don't like i always like and even though they're short because i don't want to type out like, right a lot it of takes stuff, a while it takes a while but yeah, I always write something, even if it's just like, hope you're enjoying, you know, like whatever it is. <laughs> and, and okay. And so this is where I'll say there are some like aspects of animal of like new leaf that are still not ideal. Like there's room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really just like little things that take time that add up yeah. the more you do them. Just like uh when you enter a building you know you have to there's like a pause because you like put your item away yeah or when you're when you first go into the recycling place or like the flea market the yeah the woman they're like they always say hello and you can't move or do anything and then you can move and then when you're leaving they always say goodbye and it's like all this stuff is the loading between the village and like the city portion like all that stuff there's just like little things that it yeah. makes it Want just it to be feel quicker. like a little bit too long. So it's definitely not like I would love to get to a point where it just like it, it's just like open world or whatever. <laughs> that means. You know, where you're just like there's no transitions yeah. between the different aspects. Um, yeah, it, it actually, that's uh, it's kind of curious that like they do make a point of um, making you hear a, a hello and goodbye from everyone when you like enter or leave yeah. their, their store. Because, like, they have voices. Right. So, like, if you just walked in and you heard, like, a... Like, you would know. Right, it's right. It's greeting me. Yeah. You don't need to see the word hello. Well, and even if you should, like, do that, let me move while it's happening. Yeah. Like, don't, like, stop. Right. Um, But, yeah, I mean, overall, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm already dreading... When you stop playing. When I stop playing. <laughs> because, and I actually think... I wonder if this is a problem for, with people that play Animal Crossing is you... I wonder if people who leave it for a certain amount of time yes. are just like, oh, I'm, I'm never, you know, like if they're like, oh, it's been like a month. Whereas if it was like a Zelda game or something, we'd be like, oh, I'll just pick it up and play it with Animal Crossing. We're like, I can't go back. That's what happened to my Nintendog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved my Nintendog. And then for whatever reason, I stopped playing for like two months. And then I saw the, the cartridge again later and was like, oh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to go back and she's going to have made a mess and like she's not going to want to catch the frisbee with me and like I can't go back. Yeah, it's it's the if you're if you are into this sort of thing, like if you give into the world, it it is like oh, I can't I, I like I don't want to be mean to anybody. I'm trying to do like all of the like things that they want me to do to get yeah. like the highest um approval approval mm-hmm. and you know i don't want people to move away from my town because they're unhappy or anything like that um so uh what one of the reasons that um this game has gone down in price and both you and i have purchased it recently is that it is about to get um or i don't know about to yeah i think in point. november oh it, it has, has been dated 
Maybe. We're guessing now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're um, not experts. We're fans. Yeah, that's right. Hey, is, is it, Mark, is this something we need to, do we need to ex- explain this? Do we need? I mean, we can be loud and proud about it. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we're we're obviously not, uh, I said obviously, like we <laughs> are obviously not experts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we only made a podcast about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. That's <laughs> the only difference between you and I mm-hmm. and two other people, mm-hmm. that you and I have these bodies, Right. first of all, uh-huh. ripped. Yeah. Second. Oh, yeah, we are jacked. <laughs> right. Like, it's disgusting. Uh, but the, the only thing that is it is different is that we have made this podcast, mm-hmm. and we're huge Nintendo fans. Yeah, we're just, like, two friends, just chatting Nintendo. Just chatting Nintendo. Uh, in, in the running for the title of the podcast, Chatting Nintendo. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I, there was a point I was actually driving at, is that uh, this thing is getting Amiibo support mm-hmm. patched into it. Yes. Uh like three years after it came out in the first place yeah and they're releasing i mean like the game in even like physical versions is getting rebranded to be animal crossing welcome amiibo so are they dropping the new leaf branding that's what it looks like on like the box art that they released interesting yeah uh mark do you feel bad that your 3ds won't be able to read amiibo since i have never purchased an amiibo and I'm gonna get you some amiibo cards. At this point, I know, and amiibo cards are like the one. No, I don't feel bad. Yeah, you do. You hesitated a little bit. I you don't sort feel of feel bad. Well, I mean, sh- do I want the best? Of course, I do. And Mark, you deserve the best. <laughs> um, but at this point in the life cycle, it just—I don't know. It, even though I find the 3DS frustrating to use because it's so slow to do everything Mm -hmm. i can't justify upgrading at this point uh i i I hear that um but uh, expect us to revisit animal crossing um in the future as we visit each other's towns yeah um and uh as amiibo support gets patched in oh yeah that was something i was actually i it makes sense now that i real now that i understand how it works but i assumed that if i opened my gate in animal crossing Mm -hmm. that that meant like oh i could turn off my game and you'd be able to come visit. Yeah, I think you need it needs to be on the whole time. Yeah, right? I have to be like using or yeah, it has to be on. Like as soon as you turn right. off the 3DS, it closes the so, gate. So we're gonna have to make like active dates to visit each other's towns. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll make we'll make this work. <laughs> we're we're coming at this game like four years too late, <laughs> but like we're gonna make it work. Yeah. Um. So uh, I've also been playing uh Paper Mario Color Splash, mm-hmm. um, which is adorable. Um. It uh, I I I have I haven't gotten super far in it yet. Um, and the combat is all super simplistic. Um, and uh, the you have to when you fight things. So okay, the game. <laughs> <laughs> the the game is you know another in the Paper Mario series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has role playing elements, but those are all kind of set aside or not set aside, but minimized for sort of a like mini game ish based um combat. Um, it's not as bad as like uh, Yokai Watch, um, but like the fights do feel similarly fussy. Mm-hmm. Um, where like you just got to do a few little things, and like you have control over what's happening, but not in like a meaningful strategic sort of way. Um, you just make sure you have enough combat cards. You go in and push the button when it says to push the button. Um, but the writing in the game is fantastic. Um, it is so funny and so charming. Um, and that's one of the big hallmarks of yeah. the Paper Mario series. Yeah, of all of the Mario RPG series. Um, there is, like I said, I'm still like er- pretty early in the game. 
Um, but uh, maybe somewhere in like the fourth or fifth level, you um, pick up someone who is a bridge repairman and you bring him back to the, the town um, where he repairs the bridge. Um, and uh, this is good news for the toad that's sitting right by the bridge, who is a bridge enthusiast. <laughs> okay. So the bridge maker and the bridge enthusiast continue to stand at either side of this bridge forever. And they're, they're so excited about the bridge that when Mario crosses it, they dance around because they're so happy. <laughs> and if you jump on the bridge, they start jumping up and down too. It's adorable. The game is just so full of these like just cute little details. Um, and I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Yeah, everything I've uh, been like following people on Twitter who who are playing it, yeah. and it, yeah, just like all the little hidden things that I remember loving so much mm-hmm. about the Paper Mario series. Yeah, it's just great to have another one. Um, so uh, also the uh, uh, the like kind of principal bad guys are shy guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know when this happened, but shy guys when did they become adorable? When did they become like the cutest thing ever? I love them so much. <laughs> and I don't know when it happened. I don't, uh, you don't have to have an answer for that. No, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I was going to say that shy guy amiibo that has to happen at some point. Oh right? yeah, it does. Oh man. I'll buy it. I know, buy I it. know you will. I know you will. <laughs> Mark, regardless of what I'm going to buy, I think it's time for us to move on to the news. So Tim Cook was in Japan recently. Tim Cook, CEO of Apple. There we go. Was in Japan recently, you know, doing business things. Right. There's a lot of business to be had in Japan. (laughs) And uh, uh, he visited Nintendo headquarters and there were like some press photos of him playing Super Mario Run. Which is exciting. Yeah. And one of the things he told BuzzFeed Japan Mm -hmm. is that Super Mario Run already has 20 million iOS users that have click like this like notify button in the app store so as soon as super mario run becomes available in december it'll like send out a push notification to 20 million ios users and are is like hey this game's available for download slash purchase uh i am one of those 20 yeah me million. as well okay. <laughs> well and yes. it's it's the first time that apple's done like that something like a notification like this is available for oh something. really yeah this is the first time they're doing it and uh so as soon as the conference was over, the com- the conference where Super Mario Run was announced in September, as soon as it's over, it was over. When you went to the App Store, it had like a um, a splash page for Super Mario Run, and when you clicked on it, it there was a little bit of information, some screenshots, little video, and then there's like the notify button you click. Yeah, twenty million. I mean, I I did it that day. Oh yeah. I mean, as soon as I, I was like, I have to go check this thing out just in case there's like a date there that no one is reporting on right. for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, just consider that. So the way that Super Mario Run is going to work is there will be, it'll be free to start. And then there will, you will pay like a one fee to unlock to like get the whole game. Okay. Yeah. And who knows what that fee is going to be. Uh, I would guess somewhere between five and ten dollars. That's based on no information, right? You know, uh, can I ask what would be uh, like? Where does it become a, a question for you? Because right now, for me, at five or ten dollars, it is a no-brainer f- impulse purchase. The second I see, yeah, I think anything more than 
I mean, let's be real. I'm going to buy it no matter what. Yeah. But I think anything over 10. I think I think 15 for me, I, I still yeah, do without 15. thinking I about could it. see them doing like 14.99, but there'd have to be a lot of content. And that's just like for better and developers would say for worse, like the economics of the app store, yeah, you know, like everything's crummy, like yeah. a buck to, mm-hmm. you know, like $5, $8, but like $15 is a hard i feel like you know there's there's something i i really i like and respect about that though like insisting on the value of a game Mm -hmm. you know that like obviously resources go into it and obviously it's it's valuable you just don't see a lot of people doing that like um square does it with uh their games even if a lot of the ios games they do are like not great ports of things or you know have their own microtransaction problems um like Final Fantasy All the Bravest. Mm-hmm. You, did you play this game? I downloaded it. Yeah, and then and you're like, oh, I can't do anything without spending money. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, I mean, if I, I, I like that uh, Nintendo is in a space where they can, like, set their own rules about it. Um, but on the flip side, I would also love to only pay five bucks for this game. That would be great. But even at five dollars, let's say they go, like, real lowball and it's, like, four ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say if 20 million people at launch yeah have like and that's just it's a hundred people that like (laughs) that's just the people who chose to be notified yeah uh and not the people that will find it you know after the fact like they're gonna make because they're gonna push so much money yeah it's an exciting time i mean it makes it just means that like nintendo's mobile strategy you're just like oh this makes like you're gonna make so much money from this and then any like spillover into your console space is just yeah like i don't know i like it really is people are like i i don't think nintendo should ever go full mobile but like the like synergy between the two it seems like the uh potential is endless yeah absolutely we don't have a a news item about this but did you see that um Sony is uh, also talking about getting into the, the mobile games <laughs> yeah, market. Yeah, I did see that. As led by the example of Nintendo's example. Guess what, Sony? You don't have IP like Mario. Yeah, I, I mean, I really think that's what it comes down to. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, uh, Temple Run, like, Nathan Drake version? It you seems know? crazy. Yeah. I mean, Crash Bandicoot? Is that even... Is that tracked? Is that register? I mean, no. I don't think so. I, I, I honestly, you have like a small group of gamers who are nostalgic for Crash Bandicoot, but yeah, you know, nobody now, I, you know, that. Yeah, it, it, it seems, it seems like it's, it's not necessarily. Also, most of those games, especially any of the more recent ones, have been awful. Sure. So why is anyone gonna be like, you know, like, oh, a new Crash Bandicoot game on uh, iOS? To me, just is like screams shovelware. Okay, I picked a game. <laughs> I thought maybe Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking the idea of Crash Bandicoot. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> As a desirable IP that people would be driven to buy. Um, but yeah, I did see that and I laughed because <laughs> you know. Well, I it sounds. I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but it just sounds like when they uh, Sony made their own Smash Brothers like beat 'em up. Yes. So what was it like? PlayStation All Stars or something? PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Yeah. You. Yeah. Which I I did own. I remember that. I remember playing it on your Vita. Yeah, it's not great. Nope. So, anyways, Sony's uh, mobile strategy, ladies and gentlemen. 
Um, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> shots fired. Uh, well, you know, if somebody's upset about that, Patrick, where, where, they, where can oh, they yeah. send their comments? If, if you're upset about anything that Marcus said, mm-hmm. remember it is my fault, right? Uh, for anything Marcus said, uh, and you can send all complaints to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Uh, so the Bravely Default series, yes, uh, its fourth anniversary was this week, mm-hmm. and its Japanese Twitter uh, sent out like an image being like. And the text of it read, hey, you, you know, you haven't heard from us for a while, but maybe you'll hear something soon. The, the text started, hey? <laughs> I'm localizing it. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> this is not a direct translation. No, it's not a direct translation. It. Very good. Yeah. Um, so something soon. Yeah, which is, I, who knows what this means? It, it may mean they're working on a, you know, like a third game. Mm-hmm. It may mean that... You know, they're just tweeting something out to the fans, being like, hey, we recognize this. There's nothing in the works right now, but maybe eventually we'll do another Bravely Default game. Do you think it's possible that there's like a uh, a port of Bravely Second head into the NX? Um, or maybe a uh, Bravely um, Collection? I don't know what you call this series. Well, I... So the second game, my understanding is that the second game did very poorly in Japan. Oh. And I know the first game did well you know, like in mm-hmm. the West, uh, or what, like surprisingly well, I think expectations were low. Yeah. And I'm, I haven't really, you don't hear much about the about second, game. second. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing it did maybe not as well. So I really don't know. Like, and I know the team that's, uh, that developed the Bravely Default games is working on something else right now. So they're not working on a third game. So let me ask you this, Mark. Do you think uh, this Twitter tease mm-hmm. is a bigger deal than Rockstar's Red Dead Redemption Twitter, fee- Twitter tease from yesterday? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. I, no, I would definitely say this is okay. a much smaller deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like one, of the biggest devel- like the one of the most successful developers in the world and then the Bravely Default team? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're they're both. Everyone's doing their best. Everyone's work. doing their best work. Um, but actually, the re- the one of the reasons I thought this was interesting, although we are coming perilously close into dabbling in NX rumors, which we do not do. No, we have strict declared, moratorium. Look, this is we are the Scarlet Witch, uh-huh. right? and we have declared no more mutants no. slash <laughs> NX rumors. Yes, <laughs> yes, strongly. You can't see Patrick and I gesticulating. Oh yeah, we are gesticulating wildly. <laughs> There's like a. It, it's like we're making check marks in the air. Yes. Were we saying check at any point? No. Okay. <laughs> check. Uh huh. But one of the rumors associated with NX. Okay. So fine. no, 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 no. We're we're NX tangential here. Okay. We're not like actually in NX rumors. Is that Nintendo? This is pure rumor. Intends to continue supporting the 3DS until 2018. Sure. We're still talking about the 3DS. Yes. Now. Right. Uh huh. Um, and whether this means. That's two like, more years. Whether that, this means that they're developing for it, or my opinion is, that if this is even true, this rumor is true, but my opinion is that it just means that they will continue to like support and like license and um, uh, keep the servers up and stuff. Yeah. Or, what, what's like, it? how much longer are we going to be able to play Rusty's Real Deal Baseball on, on our 3DSs? I'm guessing maybe till 2018. Okay. <laughs> that, that's my hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, because. So, you know, if there is plans for a Bravely third, you know, two years away, it could still come out on the 3DS mm-hmm. um, and not on any console that we won't name because we're not talking about it until 
until there's we have actual real news. concrete evidence. Mm-hmm. Also, rumor says that maybe they'll be in, uh, direct about it this week, but who knows? I we're don't not talking believe about it. that. I don't believe it. <laughs> okay. I don't believe it. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, the Zelda like Zelda game. It's Zelda like. Right. Uh, this called... is a term that we use. Uh, or we use. I just sounded like a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> a a, 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 a uh, like construction that people are using in um, the video game industry where something is something like. Mm-hmm. So like a rogue like is like a game that's like rogue. Yeah. Like what? Like what? What, what is that? What is the game that that's like? I'm sorry to have interrupted your headline, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, the, so there's a indep- indie game called Oceanhorn. And it's been available on, like, everything for a really long time. Most everything for a really long time. Right. Because... Like, a month or so. No, right? I think, like, the first Oceanhorn... Because there's a second one coming out. Oh, okay. I think the first one's been available on, like, iOS for years. Oh, okay. And uh, um, and it's... Let's just be honest. It's basically an indie version of, like, uh, old-school Zelda slash yeah with it's, it's got wind like waker a, it's got like an yeah so it's got like the isometric. wind waker aesthetic yeah and an yeah. isometric perspective yeah but otherwise just basically looks like zelda yeah i mean um, it's basically a link to the past with wing, wind waker aesthetics hey man no no, no and that's not a bad sounds thing great exactly exactly it's like feeling it's like it's scratching an itch that a lot of people have why are we talking about ocean because Park? it's coming to a quote nintendo console right um and whether that means the console that we're not talking about right or could be you know like the wii u but they would probably just say wii u right or 3ds um so yeah i'm guessing yet another game has been announced for nx we don't even know what nx is yet nintendo please put us out of our misery mark we are talking too much about the NX. you're right so let's should we just move on let's move on okay so uh, Bandai Namco has announced that they will be adding a new fighter to the arcade version of uh, Pokken Tournament. I'm assuming that's how you say it? Pokken? I've heard both Pokken and Pokken. Pokken. So, I mean, who cares? Pokemon. I say po- I, po- Pokken. But, it, but it's like Tekken. Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Scizor? Scizor? Probably Scizor. Will be joining the fighting game roster on October 20th. And I'm guessing this is... Um, just like the arcade version that did it come out of Japan? Is there? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if there US? are American arcade cabinets of it or not. Because I mean, surprise, surprise, the game did not sell well on the Wii U. I mean, yeah, uh, even the things that sell well on the Wii U don't really sell well. Yeah, but I mean, even on the scale, right? You know, like even on the be- grading on the curve that is, you know, Wii U sales. I think Pokémon Tournament did not do well, which is weird because. I can understand, a, like, why it's interesting. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you actually get to, like, fight Pokemon fight. against yeah. each other. Like, that's cool. And they, like, have their moves and everything. Uh, I would never buy it. You know what uh, I am turned off by is that just knowing that it's based in, like, Tekken mechanics. Because mm. those Tekken games, man, they're dense. Well, see, I don't really like... I'm not a huge fighting game person in general. Sure, I likes me some fighting games. Yeah, uh, I don't have like the patience to learn, mm-hmm. you know, all the mechanics, and so this to me is like, oh, I would watch this being played at an arcade, right? I would like watch it with interest, right? If somebody was like playing it, I'd be like, oh, this is really cool, ne- and maybe I would drop like a few quarters to try it out, 
Right, like, just to get I your would, butt kicked a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I would never, I would never purchase it. Yeah. I mean, if uh, it, th- this is one of those games that if they were like, forget it, it's not part of Nintendo Select and it's 20 bucks, I would just seriously consider like getting it, having a fun weekend with it, mm-hmm. and then never uh, thinking about it again. I can't imagine that they'll ever um, put Sizor, like release him as DLC for the Wii U version, just because it doesn't seem like it's worth it to them to support the Wii U version anymore. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um but in other Pokemon news. Hey, other uh, Pokemon news. Another Pokemon Sun and Moon trailer dropped this last week. And so there were eight new Pokemon revealed. Uh most of which were like evolutions and uh of new Pokemon that we've met previously. Like Aloha Alola versions. Alola. Yeah, you gotta watch out. It's not Aloha. Yeah. It's Alola. Mm-hmm. Um Alola being the new continent. Yeah. The new archipelago. The new like region or yeah. whatever. Yeah, region. You got yeah. it. Got <laughs> so yeah, Alola versions of Muck and Grimer. Yeah, they're like rainbowy and like glimmery. I've got to say, I'm pretty excited for this new region. I think it's a like. It seems cool and fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and very different from like the aesthetics that we've seen previously in Pokemon. Yeah, it's interesting because like it's it's obviously uh, borrowing from uh, Hawaiian imagery, mm-hmm. um, and there's so much uh, like of that. Um, like of japan in hawaii mm-hmm. like they're obviously like wildly different cultures i'm making shapes with my hands <laughs> that aren't coming across on the microphone i'm sure um but uh yeah i'm 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 excited to see like um i just to see what like the japanese pokemon take on hawaii is yeah um that's very fun to me well there's also th- um they Nintendo of America was just holding some events so press could play the first few hours yeah. of Sun and Moon. And some interesting things came out of there's like no more gyms, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um and also there's no two D there's no three D at all in this. Oh, oh that's good. Yeah. Uh you do you think that is because also have they announced any uh three DS or two DS bundles with this thing yet? Uh, I'm not sure. We're getting late in the game to uh, not have that information. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they do, if, if they push a 3DS bundle or a 2DS bundle. Because, I mean, not having 3D, it seems like a pretty solid play for like, no, it's okay. Just go ahead and get that $80 machine, 2DS, right. and then play the game. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that was the intention behind it. I think it really just came down to performance issues. Yeah, sure. Like, I don't think uh, Game Freak could get their engine to run super great in, uh, in, in 3d. 3d um but yeah i mean i i do think the 2ds at 80 dollars you know that's a it's a pokemon machine right for christmas you get yeah. that in like the 40 dollar yeah we've been hawking that thing a lot so like make sure to pick up your 2ds <laughs> today it's a really good system i think right now it's the like because the 3ds has a great library of games and for 80 you know like getting in with eighty bucks, with I think the best form factor of a 3DS. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with that. The only uh, places I would push back on that are that it doesn't have amiibo functionality. Mm-hmm. It does. It can't play uh, the Super Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that the right nub. Yeah, and it is slow like it's a so like a regular slow. 3DS. Oh my gosh, if, the regular 3DS if, is so slow. It's so slow. Oh my god. <laughs> if they released a new 2DS, I would buy one of those tomorrow 
I would be tempted, actually, if it was at, you know, like a discounted price. If yeah, or like, like a reasonable. Or something. That's, I, I was also thinking, uh, I was thinking one nineteen ninety nine. I would be tempted. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd buy one. It's I still hundred three yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I would definitely be like, that's a compelling, it's worth the like extra $30. Yeah. To have it not go so slow. And to play Super Nintendo games on. Yeah, that's true. That's Let's get into some new point. releases, Mark. Uh. Well, Pokemon Sun and Moon demo for the 3DS comes out today. Today, October 18th. Yeah, so Patrick and I will be downloading it and playing it and talking about it next week. Yeah, and if you are doing the same uh, and you have questions or uh, if you experience something cool or frustrating or whatever, uh, be sure to email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at at gmail.com. Uh, also coming out this week on the 20th is uh, SteamWorld Heist coming out on the Wii U uh, for fourteen ninety nine. You ever play any of the SteamWorld games? No, but I've uh, I listened to another podcast, uh, US Gamers mm-hmm. Acts of the Blood God, which is their RPG podcast, and they speak very highly of it. So I'm actually really interested in checking out the SteamWorld games. Yeah, uh, we should look into um, Heist when it comes out. Uh, it comes out the 20th, which is Thursday of this week and then also coming out is uh Feyrune 2 and this is a game that i just saw like on twitter the original Feyrune came out in 2014 mm-hmm. and it's another like action rpg yeah type game um but it was only three bucks when it came out i think it was super short but it was popular enough to have a sequel uh-huh. and looks like they've like expanded on it a little bit the thing that i think is most interesting about it is how difficult it is to find out when anything is coming out on a Nintendo system. I mean, it's really hard. I I was paying attention to Severed, right? I was like, man, this game has got to... It, it says fall, like, they got to put a date on this soon. And then, like, it, di- it didn't actually click for me or I didn't see the date until, like, 10 o'clock the night before it was released. After we had recorded an episode saying, and that's all that's coming out next week. Nothing we're interested in. Certainly not the new Drinkbox <laughs> game that Patrick really wants to play. Yeah, it's impossible. You, you and I both have, like, s- searched yes. to find just, like, a comprehensive list of things that are coming out. And I don't know if it's because the, whatever, like, the approval process for the Nintendo eShop or the way they like decide when they're going to it, it seems like all these are just like surprises yeah. where it's like oh it's coming out right now do you so do you think that like maybe the approval process like you say is uh like arduous or maybe that the approval process is like nothing at this point and so it just like the second the port is ready they can kick it out i have no i have no idea what's going on because like yeah you and i both look f- every week we look for like re- lists of release dates yeah and then i feel like the ones that i find it didn't have severed it didn't have favorite you know like it didn't have any of these things listed yeah and then i'm on like twitter and i see somebody like you know tweet that's how i knew the severed was coming out yeah because uh i think the developer tweeted it so uh, this is this is insane like with any amount of like pushing i don't know i feel like nintendo should be better about like getting in front of these things and saying like hey we've got there are constantly good games coming to yeah, this platform. Yeah, even the Nintendo website yeah. is in like, real crummy. Oh, it's so hard to find any information about when it like when there's no like you know, chronological list where it's right. like okay, it's like not. you know like week by week here's what's coming. It's bonkers. You know what the worst part about huh. using the Nintendo website is is that 
probably 60% of the time that I'm on there, I get like that little pop-up window that's like, would you like to take a survey about your experience with this website? <laughs> do you ever do those? Yeah, I do them. Yeah, I, I do them I, too. I do them a lot. Yeah. I have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, if you, like, I am genuinely asking if somebody out there, like, if there's a place you go to to find out what's being released, please let us know. Also, if you know of a cool indie game coming out um, next week uh, and you want to uh, uh, let us know about it, you can shoot us an email at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. um, and uh, just let us know and we'll, uh, we'll love to chat about it. Yeah, we want to play things you're excited to about. play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we. I thought for sure we were gonna say in unison things that you're excited about, but we're excited to play games that you're excited to play. That's that's rhetorically better. <laughs> uh, Mark, let's uh, let's move out of the news. All right, now it's time for a regular segment on Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, this is four thirty three. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. For the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not Nintendo-related, and the music will be the sound of the room as we are not playing our instruments. The instruments being talking about Nintendo. That's right. And Mark, uh, let uh, 433 begin. Uh, so did you have something video gamey that you want to talk about? Um, I, I know we talked about it a little bit already, but I want to talk about Red Dead Redemption. Okay. Um, and the way that Rockstar has, uh, announced this thing so far. Um, to date, they've done just two tweets about it. Is that right? I think so. I'm going to pull them up on, on my phone. Um, the first one is just their Rockstar logo in black on a red background that's it um and then the second one uh has some like some people riding horses uh off off in the background um how cool is this and is there anyone else in the world that could do this here, here here's what here's what the first tweet looks like it's crazy is there anyone else in the world that could do this no rockstar is its own it in- is it's like its own industry almost yeah I mean, Grand Theft Auto V mm-hmm. is still one of the top-selling games month after month. And they haven't, uh, like, significantly added to it since uh, GTA Online. Yeah. Um, no single-player story DLC. Uh, n- nothing like that. They don't need to. And they release games so infrequently, and they do it in such... They develop games in such secrecy. Yeah. They're, you know... Um, yeah, how do they do that? Because, like, I, I guess Nintendo it, uh, is also pretty good about, um, like, enforcing NDAs or something. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like we get leaks about everything else from everyone else. Like, Ubisoft's not good about um, keeping their stuff secret. Uh, like, anyone, really. Um, but Nintendo and Rockstar seem to have be able to keep a lid on it. Yeah, and Rockstar releases like one game every five years yeah you know like it feels like it's just not that frequent well so um the the last big release they had was um gta 5 right mm-hmm. uh and has the what what are, uh, other series that they do they do like the the bully series 
there's only been one, one game. game. There's only one game. I was thinking there was there was a a Wii. Uh, there was a Wii version, it. yeah. And I'm sorry that <laughs> during <laughs> during 4:33 that we're talking about the Wii a little bit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but uh, Bully and uh, Red Dead and there was a Max Payne game. There's yeah. Max Payne three. Mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. So they like it's it's a it's a small catalog, but it's all like vaunted stuff yeah you know, really uh, like Im- important to um the industry stuff the the, the thing that i mean because like a new red dead game was in kind of inevitable like yeah. red dead redemption sell sold incredibly yeah did you ever play red dead redemption i never did no so i i played it i never finished it because my problem with open world games is that i have such like a compulsive need to finish everything yeah and so i will spend hours in the first area trying to do everything and but then i get not how it's meant yeah yeah and then i get burned out and i'm just like ah, the last thing i want to do is open up this game and skin yet another animal even though nobody's forcing me to do it um but but the part that i played i maybe put like 25 hours into it was was really well done yeah um and so I'm very interested to see what they can do here. But I think like the fervor that they're uh, they're like able to create just by like tweeting these two images, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, it it just it's it, it's it's remarkable that like uh, not only are they able to do that, but they have the confidence to mm-hmm. just do it. Um, it it it, it seems like. I almost feel like they could uh, announce it and then release, like they could release this year if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like the the only thing that would like force them to put a release date down is uh, just having to go through retailer channels. Well, I thought that was one of the nicest things about Fallout Four when it was announced mm-hmm. was e- it was a little bit longer, but it was re- announced at E three, right? And then it was released in the fall. Yeah, it wasn't one of these like we're gonna tease it over a year or two years it was just like okay we were right. working on it all this time and now here it is right it's and, not it's not like two years of guessing what the nx is yeah right. <laughs> it's not like that no i would love it would be amazing if rockstar was like okay we're dropping like we're announcing it now we're dropping it in april great there were a lot of artists oh okay so that <laughs> no, did that conclude it <laughs> that 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 concludes uh, uh 433 we were uh, accompanied this week by david tudor not playing the piano uh so mark i think what we should do now is we should move on in to our listener reader mail uh i put out a a, a call on um, facebook today for some questions so uh mark Buckle up. Uh-oh. We got some questions. Um, our, our first question today, I don't need to use my phone. I can look it up this way, um, comes from Andrew. Uh, and Andrew says, <clears throat> something that's always struck me about Nintendo is their success with crossovers. I can name at least three major standalone crossover franchises for Nintendo. He lists Mario Party, Mario Kart, and Smash Brothers. So by crossovers, we're talking like characters from different franchises coming together in one game. Yeah, like okay. mashup, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, and, the, and then a few minor ones. Mario Tennis? Not totally sure about that one. Uh, uh, I, that, and he notes that these have inspired a series of clones. Like uh, we mentioned 
PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) um, So he knows that uh, other publishers have their own successes, like Disney Infinity, Skylanders, Street Fighter, um, like the Street Fighter, the Capcom Versus series. Um, But he can't think of a publisher with more than one crossover franchise. Um, Obviously, uh, a a lot of this has to do um, with Nintendo just being willing to take these chances. So he's uh, using the uh, occasion of uh, Mario Party Star Rush coming out on the 3DS uh, next month to uh, ask this question. What uh, is your favorite crossover franchise? Nintendo. Uh, I think it can, I, 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 he, he, he's not specific, but... Yeah, there's no other ones but Nintendo ones. I, uh, it's really hard for me to choose between Mario Kart uh-huh. and Super Smash Brothers. So Mario Kart, I feel like, only falls into this category recently, because mm-hmm. um, uh, you know prior prior to Mario Kart Eight, like you can say Donkey Kong yeah. is is like a guest character. Um, I remember Mario Kart Wii, like you know, Funky Kong is in there as well. Yeah, yeah, what a weird choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Smash is 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 an obvious answer. Um, not to say that it's bad, Mark. I don't mean to. <laughs> No, no, it's just like uh, I. There are other ones, but no, I I think those two. I uh, I've definitely spent the most time playing Mario Kart. Yeah, that hands down. I. This is maybe embarrassing, or maybe it's a badge of pride. I haven't decided yet. Um, <laughs> I I turned on the uh the the Wii U to see like uh you can see how many hours you've played individual games. Um and Mario Kart Eight, uh, Sarah and I have played for a hundred and sixty-five hours. Well, see, there you go. Yeah, like uh, and because Mario Kart, I've played. I will play by myself. I will play with friends. You know, like Mario Kart is just fun. Super Smash Brothers, I like a lot. I have never been one to play it online. I've never been one. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is not as fun to me just playing by yourself. And so I usually only play it like when I'm home for the holidays and playing yeah. with sibling or, you know, like with friends the, when I have occasion to pull it out, it's super fun. And I think it's all like, they're all amazing games, mm-hmm. but Mario Kart, even if, we're, even if we're just talking about the most recent ones, I think is the most, I have the most fun yeah. with those. They're like, super fun games. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, like outside of Nintendo that, that you enjoy? No. Um, I will say that I do really like the uh, Marvel versus Capcom games. Yeah. Well, um, that was the other one because I guess if we're just talking the Marvel versus series, yeah, as one series, well, then because they have they have multiple like uh, Capcom versus you know different. Yeah, I mean the 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 thing there with like um yeah really just anytime versus Capcom gets thrown around mm-hmm. because <clears throat> I think they could do a game that is just versus Capcom like forget Marvel forget. SNK, forget uh, whatever other thing you want to staple onto there. Um, just give me a versus Capcom game where I can have Wesker from uh, Resident Evil fight against, you know, Roll from <laughs> Mega Man. Um, that, and then I'll be happy. Yeah. Uh, so a, a second part of the, the question here is, um, do you have an idea for a crossover uh, franchise that you would like to see? What would be a fun like context to get all the Nintendo characters mashed up into? I feel like they've kind of done it all. I feel like a real time or turn based strategy, uh, like RPG. RPG would be super like fun. Super Mario Tactics. 
Yes. Oh, Mark. <laughs> yes. That's, okay, that's a, I could Super Mario Tactics. I could get on board for that. I mean, but what makes that different from just like Super Mario RPG? Uh, well, I, uh, uh, did you, is that question a, a criticism? <laughs> no, but I'm, no, 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 but I'm just saying like, it, um, it could also be that if it, if it's just like a 16 bit style RPG where all the characters are Nintendo characters, mm-hmm. I'm on board for that. Nintendo too. will never do that. And I'll tell you why, cause they don't give people what they, they want. They don't give people <laughs> We talked about this last want. week with Metroid. It's just like, yeah. There has to be like somebody at Nintendo who's like, oh, there's a reason for making this other than it'll make us money, which is such an interesting mindset. Uh, well, so that question came to us from um, Andrew. Andrew, thank you for your question. Yeah. Remember, if, if you have a question, you can always write to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Uh, we've got a few more questions here I want to uh, burn through before we get through our topic of the week. Um, Burn through sounds like I'm destroying them. <laughs> I want to celebrate these things. <laughs> I want to I want to light them and I'll destroy them. <laughs> oh. uh, so we got a question from uh, from Mike. Mike says, uh, "Do you think Nintendo games are actually harder than their modern counterparts?" So I think he's referring to NES games. Um, <clears throat> is it is the uh, is is that the case, or is it just that there's a different set of skills required due to advances in technology? So the question is. Are games easier now than they were on the NES? What do you think? Uh, I think yes. I think games were harder on the NES, um, but I think that's because that's how you make a short game long, um, is by demanding absolute precision uh, of, of everything. Like, Battletoads is as hard as it is because the game is 12 levels, but you can play that game for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours without making it past the speeder bike level, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so yeah, I, I, think they, I think they are more... I, I don't know if they're more technically demanding. I guess harder is, is, uh, is an interesting question. Yeah, well, and I think Mike word. is uh, right that... I think it's both those things. I do think they're like more challenging. Mm-hmm. Or they're, yeah, it's weird because modern games have their own set of challenges, right. but they require, most of them required less, like, precision. They're also less um, punishing yeah. for mistakes that you make. Like, even, even a, hard, a hard platformer now, something like Super Meat Boy, is, um, it's not forgiving, but it does give you the opportunity to redo, the, redo it, like, immediately. Like, games used to sort of punish you with boredom for not getting it right. Um, and I don't, I think now games are like, they don't want to be boring because then you'll, you know, sell it back to GameStop. Yeah. And I do think that's part of it is that um, back when we, I mean, obviously when like Super Mario Brothers became a success, there were tons of platformer clones, right? Like clones have yeah. always, especially mm-hmm. back in the NES day when you could have eight people and, you know, like $500,000 and, you could get a game out super right, quickly. Right. Um, but I feel like as the game industry has gotten larger and there is more and more money at stake yes. with every release, that the games have become homogenized mm-hmm. because you know, if you're spent if you have a thousand people working on a game and you're spending upwards of hundreds of millions of dollars to produce a video game. You have to make that money back. You have to make yeah. it as palatable to everybody as possible. And so, uh, I again, like, I think, like, games today have their own, like, 
they're challenging in their own way. Yeah. But they're not pun you're right, they're not as punishing. Yeah. And they're that, very forgiving. I think there's uh what one other thing um that to kind of like tack on to the end of this, uh, is that games are more like experiential now that mm-hmm. like uh game developers want you to experience the whole thing. Um, and putting up like roadblocks to you know seeing the end of The Last of Us doesn't make any sense. Like that game is its most powerful at the end. Well, I mean, still less than half of people who buy games actually finish them. Which you know I can't blame them because <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's true. I mean, I think like games like I I don't know what the statistics are for The Last of Us. I'd be interested to know if the completion rate for that game is much higher than the industry average. Yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, in in general, like Red Dead Redemption. You know, like, is an example for me where it's just like, I enjoyed the game, but at no point, I didn't feel compelled to finish it. Yeah. And even though, like, Mm -hmm. the presentation was amazing, it was very similar to any open world game that's, you know, that's been released in the past 10 years. Right. Well, and Red Dead's an an interesting example, because, like, if you're to compare, uh, you know, the original Donkey Kong and... Red Dead Redemption, like there's certainly more manual dexterity required of you to make, you know, Marsden ride around on that horse and shoot guys than it does to make Mario like jump over barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you can sink much more time into a single playthrough of Red Dead Redemption just to get to the end of it. But like Donkey Kong still feels like a harder game, right? Yeah. I mean, is there a more challenging like Pac-Man is incredibly difficult. Yeah. You know, and that's like such a simple game. Yeah, the mechanics yeah. are simple, but it's super challenging. Yeah. So, Mike, good question. Yeah. Uh, I think the answer is yes, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. One. One more question, and then we are going to talk about the Twilight Princess. Uh, this one is actually uh on the topic of Zelda. So, uh, Joe writes, um, Zelda, why or why, <clears throat> why or why not? <laughs> would you like to see? this world opened up beyond a single player story and into an MMO um, have, Oh, and then there's, there's a follow-up question uh, about, about Zelda. So we'll, we'll do kind of uh quick, uh quick, on, quick on all of these. Would we like to see a Zelda MMO? My gut instinct is no. My gut instinct is uh no as well, just cause I don't, that's not really a type of game that I like to play, but as we talked about last week, Nintendo knows how to make the fun version of, mm-hmm. you know, they can make Splatoon, which is a shooter, but fun. Um, and if they did like a Hyrule based MMO, but fun, I could get into that. Yes. I would say if I could be a Goron. <laughs> okay. Actually, you just sold me. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I was thinking, oh, we'd all have to be like, we'd links. all be links we'd all be links and like that sounds so boring to me <laughs> that's, but yeah that's but a, like that's probable <laughs> but it, yeah but if like we but yeah if like the different classes and like races were you played like goron and like yeah, that like, could I'm be a Kokiri. fun i yeah. just don't know like i feel like if nintendo was ever going to do an mmo a much more obvious candidate would be something like animal crossing sure you know like it make it like the sims online you know like where it's just like or even like a fire emblem, which would I'd really just be. I don't know why I had like an accent. Uh, like a fire emblem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could play a fire emblem. <laughs> MMO. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, yeah, like. All right, Mark you says would, no. You would no. You would really have to sell me on a Legend of Zelda MMO because you I get to be a Goron, Mark. 
I know, Mark, but you get to be. A, you want to be a Zora? You want to be a Zora instead? No, I don't want to be. A Zora. Oh, I, okay. I think you and I are on different ends of this race war. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, no, no, no. But like, I, I really like think like thinking about it, like, um, yes, like the idea of like, oh, playing as a Goron is fun, but mechanics wise, I don't know. I'm thinking of because I played like Elder Scrolls Online, sure, you know, and it was I- enjoyable. Again, you're um, not thinking of the fun version of this, though. No, I'm. I'm trying. I am. <laughs> And it's I hard. no I yeah I'm trying to and when I think like fun Nintendo MMO Zelda is not the IP that comes to mind. Sure. Uh, second question about Zelda here: Have speed runs cheapened the game in your eyes? So I think referring specifically here to Ocarina of Time. Um, no. uh, Mark, Mark, do you do you watch uh, Ocarina speed runs? I do. I I watch um like awesome games done quick and summer yeah. games done yep like every year when they come around we I, should go to one of those that would be really fun all right stay tuned for that um and no i don't think it cheapens it at all because in like my personal preference on speed runs is i like the ones that aren't tool assisted yeah um but no because these are people who love these games and have obviously you know they're not like it's not like they're like cheating Right, they've played these games before. They're not ruining the experience right, for anybody. Right. It's just like oh, they love this game so much they're willing to spend hours, countless hours, like exploring every nook and cranny. And I think that's the highest compliment you could play, you could pay to like these games. Yeah, I think even when they're like breaking the game, yeah, um, like there are a lot of awesome speed runs of Ocarina where like, you know, there's uh some uh hidden hidden like the corner of a map with a, a Deku stick and like than being like falling through the world mm-hmm. into like the this cool stuff like and it, it's just it's it's like fun and surreal to see that kind well, of and stuff. It's also fun from as somebody who's just you know I have no experience in development, but I'm interested in all things video game. Yeah, and especially like Super Mario sixty four and Ocarina of Time, where they're so early in yeah you know like in three D gaming's life time yeah that nintendo and every they're figuring out how to do this right and they didn't and, totally crack and it. they're yeah. making mistakes in you know like level design and how things are configured and so the fact that people can find these things and they like can explain uh i mean both you you sent me a video and we both watched it of just you know like a, of the, the blink cycles the in, blink the cycles in yeah. um super mario super 64. mario 64 and uh, I again, like I think that anybody cares about these games so much that they're willing to spend hours, you know, like digging into the minutia. Yeah, is no, I love it. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I I, I think it's great that uh, both Super Mario sixty four and um, Ocarina of Time have become this sort of like Rosetta Stone for like how to break three D games mm-hmm. or like how to analyze them. Um, I think that's super cool. Uh, and then uh, Joe's last question about Zelda. Um, as someone who has only really played the series starting with Ocarina of Time, what is it about the 2D Zelda games that make them so darn popular? So what is it about a 2D Zelda that makes it popular? And I think it's... I don't know if they are more popular than the 3D versions. I'm sure they're less popular. I'm sure they're more nostalgic. Like, you know, like people have nostalgia for them. Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, I like those overhead perspective games like the original uh, Legend of Zelda and like Star Tropics um, and even like the original Final Fantasy because those worlds felt bigger because you could explore them in four directions. 
whereas uh, uh you know i love super mario brothers obviously but like you can really only explore it in one direction um and i mean like i know super mario brothers 2 there's like some verticality built in there but like there it, it those are like my first sort of uh, like conceptions of dealing with an open world is yeah. in the the original Zelda. Uh, definitely for me, and I think for most people, the standout two D Zelda, kind of like the standout Zelda game that has influenced like every Zelda game that came after it for the most part is Link to the Past. Yeah, and I I, I um I was struggling to articulate it, but I think for me it's the same where it's just like this lovingly rendered very expansive yeah world that changes mm-hmm. and has areas to explore and things you can find that just like the original legend of zelda that aren't like pointed out to you yeah you they're can not just, like, obvious stumble yeah. onto them mm-hmm. um yeah like i i uh i uh, we use this term a lot or i use this term a lot talking about nintendo but i i think of like legends uh link to the past as being a very like joyful game yeah you know like it's uh it's just very beautiful and i think that's why it's popular yeah i think yeah i think the uh just about it being beautiful i think that's right that the um sprite work uh is certainly so much more attractive than like the polygons of um majora's mask and Mm -hmm. ocarina of time and like it's taken um the zelda games a while to get to a place where um their designs don't look overtly ugly and as we're going to talk about in just a couple <laughs> minutes maybe they're not even there yet well and i also think that like i think the reason why people love majora's mask because not everybody does but the people who really love majora's mask it's not it's not because of the like 72 hour cycle yeah. you know it's not because of the different mechanics i i i think it's because the effect that you have on the world you know, and like, and yeah. you, like mm-hmm. you, you shape the world over these seventy-two hours based on right who you help. Yeah, and yeah. like the things that you do, and uh, and so I think that like plays a huge part. I think part of the reason why people love Wind Waker as much as they love Wind Waker is because it's so charming. Mm-hmm. Like the art style is very charming. The game itself is very. Um, like beautiful again you know and that's very interesting just uh uh, sorry are you in the middle of well all all i was all i was gonna say is that uh, because well i mean we can move into it but um i twilight princess is mechanically and like the dungeon's a much stronger game in my opinion than wind waker Mm -hmm. but i have i think more fondly of wind waker because the it is more appealing so i think I think what I'm uh, hearing from you uh, at least a little bit is that there's like, there's something appealing about the abstraction that like um, Wind Waker has a, a cartoony aesthetic um, and Twilight Princess, while obviously not going for like photorealism is going for something more real. Yeah. And so like we, we have a little bit of distance from it and I think we have that same distance in the 2d versions of it mm-hmm. where we're not like projecting our own perspective into Hyrule. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I wonder if there's just something that feels a little bit more like, you know, uh, tabletop, like board game, exploring, playing hero quest or D and D or whatever. Um, 
that like that level of disconnect actually draws you in. And and I think in a um, based purely on like the uh, footage we've seen and the like extended demos that they've done of Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. um, I think that game is seems very expansive. Yes. And you know, obviously that's kind of the goal of it in a way that the previous 3D games have not been. Um and I think again, like th- there's uh like I don't know, like I keep coming back to the term beauty, which I think really does like it, the game the Zelda games that I am attracted to most are uh attracted ooh, whoa talking about beauty and attracted to most like the zelda games that i think it's okay mark it's okay but the zelda games that i like right. I'm, like feel most strongly about are the ones that i'm like want to return to or have fond memories of are the ones that do that are like um uh yeah like they're aesthetically pleasing you yeah know, they like they are an inviting world that i want to explore and the uh um yeah and the ones that i'm like like Ocarina of Time is obviously a landmark game. Right. You know, and um, there are some good things that we'll talk about, you know, in like Twilight Princess and uh, stuff like that. But I'm, I just don't find myself you know, yeah. wanting to come back to them. Yeah. And I, I think they're, they're almost too literal yeah. in, oh, in, yeah. in, in, what, in what they're presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Joe... Great questions. Yeah, great questions. Great questions about Zelda. Uh, let's actually use that to um, transfer over, transfer over, transfer into, transfer under. We're going to transfer <laughs> under our topic for this week. And of course, that ding means that we are talking about what we're talking about. And what we're talking about today is The Legend of Zelda, The Twilight Princess. Um Mark, uh, when when's uh, how how do you want to approach this bad boy, the the Legend of Zelda: The Twilight Princess? Well, let's talk about our like initial experiences with it. Okay, so the the game was originally released, uh, two thousand six. I'm guessing now. Uh, (laughs) I think it's two thousand six. Um, on the uh, GameCube and Wii, and it was originally supposed to be a uh, GameCube game, right, and then was delayed, delayed, and then uh, when the Wii was revealed, it was revealed that it was going to be a launch title. It was going to launch on the GameCube and the Wii. It would have motion controls, so on and so forth. Right, and one of the other quirks of the uh, Wii version is that the uh, world is flipped left to right, mm-hmm. um, just flipped entirely, uh, because Link is traditionally a left-handed hero. Uh, but with motion controls, they needed you to hold your sword or Wii remote in your right hand. Or they decided they were going to because most people are right-handed. Yes. Also, I think that's just how you... I mean, even it, it, do, left, do lefties reverse how they hold the, the Wii remote and nunchuck? I assume so. I mean, you know, this is how I, I feel with like, oh, Kurt Cobain <laughs> or, oh, Jimi Hendrix. Learn to play the guitar right! <laughs> I don't care if you're left-handed. Look, it's hard to be left-handed. Like, door handles are not designed for you. <laughs> it's impossible to do the Christmas wrapping unless it, you get your special left-handed scissors. I, oh, okay. I see. It's a scissors thing. I was yeah. going to say wrapping Christmas presents is impossible anyway. <laughs> I, I don't care what your dominant hand is. <laughs> uh, so so th- those are the uh, the primary differences between the Wii and GameCube versions. Mm-hmm. Um, of uh, Twilight Princess. And I played the Wii version. Yeah, as did I. I got it. 
I didn't get my Wii at launch, but when I bought my Wii, I bought Twilight Princess. And I wish I would have played the GameCube version. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's probably a, a superior... Because version. one of the things that the Wii version does is in order for combat, like in order to swing your sword, you have to wiggle the Wiimote back and forth. I believe waggle is the... <laughs> you have to uh, waggle. terminology. Yeah, you have to waggle the Wiimote. <laughs> right. Uh, Mark, stop making those obscene gestures. <laughs> I'm just waggling my Wiimote. <laughs> all right, all right. And it, and you know, it was exhausting. And yes. it wasn't super precise. And it just felt pointless. And I wish, you know, I could just play the game pushing a button to swing my sword. Right. And, uh, you know, that was the solution that the, um, not even a solution because it wasn't a problem on the GameCube, uh-huh. um, that you just pushed a button and uh, sw- swung the sword. Yeah. I do think if there are, or if there is um, some place where the motion controls do uh, benefit the game, it's anytime you're doing first person aiming. Absolutely. Because, um, like, being able to uh, shoot arrows by pointing at the screen and having, like, a, a, a very quick way to zoom in on, you know, one of those uh, moblins, mm-hmm. um, like, in a watchtower and just, like, shooting them down. Um, that felt good. Well, there's a section of the game, and it's one of like the moments that I wish there were more of in Twilight Princess because, uh, it, just as like a side thing, like Twilight Princess is so much to me. It feels like, uh, and this is not like an original idea on my part, but so much like a reaction to the fan rea- initial fan reaction to Wind Waker. Which was very negative. Sure. Because like now we think because of Wind it's Waker. So bright and fun. Yeah, yeah, we think of Wind Waker as being so uh like warmly uh appreciated. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was very controversial. People were like, Oh, this game this is a cartoon for babies. Right. Not a hardcore GameCube Right. And Legend of Zelda. And it's a problem right. that Zelda will have never forever. never outlive, right. Never yeah. outlive. Right. But um and so and a lot of Twilight Princess just like Ocarina of Time feels like uh, kind of like an embellishment on Link to the Past. Twilight Princess feels like an embellishment on Ocarina of Time. Yeah, almost like one for one. Like yeah. there's, um, for, for as much as you can say that like uh, Ocarina is just a 3D version of um, Link to the Past, um, you know, Ocarina introduced the idea of Gorons, which are the uh, like rock-looking, mountain-based uh, people, or the Zora, which are like these fish men and Ugh. women. Mark, look, you just got—they're—they're <laughs> they're really cool. Yeah. They've got a, a, a there's like a royal family, and they're neat, <laughs> and they swim, and they're just—they—they're really cool. Um, but so uh, Twilight Princess brings back all of those races like unchanged, mm-hmm. um, and they had been hugely altered in uh, the Wind Waker, because um, Wind Waker, you know, seems to take place in like a future version of like a, a post-apocalyptic, like a water world version. <laughs> oh man, the Zelda timeline can it could be its own. We'll just have to like talk we'll do, about we'll it do, one we'll time. We'll do Zelda timeline. Yeah. yeah, that that's that's a good topic for this. Um, but uh, like those races ha- have evolved uh, with the world in in that game, and so it's like uh, you know the Zoras become um, these bird people uh, because uh, I don't know the the sky is the new sea because the sea is the new ground. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some analogies here that don't totally line up, but um, uh, it's it's an interesting and like creative way to expand on that mythology 
where um, Twilight Princess feels more like a reiteration of that mythology. Exactly. And going back to uh, before we talked about that, like the pointer controls, the mm-hmm. Wiimote, um, mm-hmm. the like first person controls, there's a part in Twilight Princess that I wish it was like different for the Zelda aesthetic. It was kind of like this like Wild West, like old American West yeah. town. Mm-hmm. And that's an aesthetic you don't really see in Zelda. And so yeah. it was like fresh. It was like, oh, this is something new instead of just like a uh, more elaborate version of something I've already seen before. But you do kind of like this old West, like shooting gallery type thing yeah. in that section. And that was another part where it made perfect sense to have pointer controls. Yeah. That's actually the, uh, the version of Kakariko village uh, in, in Twilight Princess. So I, I may be a little bit fresher on um, like the, the details of this game because I recently played it. Yeah. You played the HD version. I played the uh, HD re-release on the Wii U. Um, which came with the Wolf Link and Midna um, amiibo. We're both staring at it. We right are both now. staring at it right now because it is uh, beautiful. Yeah, it's very elaborate. Yeah, the Mark and I were trying to figure out: Are these things hand painted? Yeah, or it's, are like the individual pieces? I have no idea. I don't know. Or how. have have the robots become so intelligent and graceful as to fool us into thinking that their work is the work of human hands. It's probably that. It's probably the robots it's are graceful. It's probably that, yeah. We're going to be taken over by graceful <laughs> robots. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is it is cool to see um, like a, a little bit of newer aesthetic um, kind of plugged into that game. But for the most part, it feels like um, a, a rehash of a lot of old ideas. Just ugly. And so kind of ugly. So uh, one of the, it's it, it certainly, in its original releases, it was uh, not in HD, right? Right. Um, on the GameCube and on the Wii, uh, HD was not a thing on those boxes. No. Uh, the Wii U, it is a thing on that box. Um, and I do think that everything is uh, benefited by being in HD. The models are still like, still the same. And the textures are still basically the same. I think that some of them have been uh, upgraded, but um, for the most part, um, it's still. It almost looks more like. Did you see Kubo and the Two Strings? I did. Yeah. It feels a little bit like that. Like knowing that there are, it, or it appears that there are artificial representations in like a real world. You know, like it feels like they're stop motion. Oh, that sounds like high praise. Yeah, I. I mean. Well, well, I when I saw Kubo, I was like, "Oh, this is just like Twilight Princess, HD." Um, because again, my experience on Wii is that everything had like this like smear filter. Yeah, like that, yeah. Uh, the, here's a reach. Okay, so reach. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if anybody out there watches RuPaul's Drag Race like I do. Sure, of course people watch. But there's like the like lost first season, which is like the KTMA like lost first season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's this is before they find the hatch. <laughs> so yeah, like the lost so like it's the season of RuPaul's Drag Race the first one where they had like no budget. And so and RuPaul's like ashamed of it and they couldn't even film it in HD and what they did was they like put this weird it looked like somebody rub- rubbed Vaseline on the lens. So everything was like, sm- you know, everything had this like soap opera kind of glow to it to yeah. try to hide. And that's what I think of when I, th- uh, the graphics of the original Wii and GameCube Twilight Princess, where it was like, it wasn't really made for 16, you know, nine, like H 
high definition oh, yeah. TVs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the way we're going to hide this is just by making everything kind of muddy and smeared and not like distinct. Yeah, and I, I uh, a lot of that non-distinct, a lot of those non-distinct shapes go away. Like I, I feel like there are a lot harder edges, a lot more. Like it, it does feel almost plasticky um, in uh, the the Wii U version. Also, the the uh, Twilight Princess t- feels so much of that like PS3, Xbox 360, Wii generation, where it's like. We're not gonna have colors. Everything's just gonna be like gray and oh, yeah. like I'm, green, like you know, variations on gr- gray and yeah. brown, and that's what I think of Twilight Princess as well. Yeah, well, and I, I that that speaks to what we were saying before, just about like the other games being um, remarkably beautiful. This one lacks a lot of that beauty, like a lot of that distinct um, like color palette. Um, that it does seem just more kind of drab um, in that very like thank you Gears of War, right? <laughs> Is that who we can blame? Yeah. Design? Oh, Gears yeah. And and Ocarina Unreal Three, Unreal Engine Three. Yeah, there you but go. like Ocarina of Time, but like the it's not the brightest palette, but it can partly get a, away with it because it was the first time we were seeing the Legend of Zelda in three D, and so that in and of itself, yeah, is so amazing. Um, with Twilight Princess, it just really the worst thing about this game are, in my opinion, are the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. I just don't even. I I have very obviously negative associations when I think of like the uh, design of Twilight Princess. There are a lot of weirdly saggy breasts in this game, <laughs> like the uh, the uh, Oku Oku. Oh yeah, the weird like naked chicken things. The, the face chickens. Yeah. The face chickens all have like <sighs> saggy breasts, and a lot of the Gorons do as well. Like there's, I don't know. the The game has some like weirdly for Nintendo sexually charged imagery because midna herself she's got this like very pear shape she's got a very like fertility Mm -hmm. goddess kind of shape um and then there are all these saggy breasts i was talking about (laughs) um but the game also has more of a narrative than um zelda games before it like with characters having relationships with each other um that's not normally something uh that like you expect of the characters that like join you um, in, in the game you know the, there's always like little side stories of like these two people are in love but they're just like people you talk to in the town or whatever yeah um and uh the cast in this game is so much bigger there's like the there are those five kids from your village that get kidnapped which and... again just baffling design choices oh yeah yeah there's some strange design choices there's a very small child there's uh, a kid with like a 1992 uh, skateboarder haircut part yeah. down right down the middle weird weird design choices and um but putting all of those aside putting yes. like the aesthetics aside and i don't really uh, feel free to like say no but i don't really want to no talk. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I do want. but i don't really want to talk about like i feel like it's the beginning the first few hours being incredibly slow has been talked to death Sure. But so like we can like mention that that yes, the beginning of this game is feels endless. Game starts slow. More than more than starting slow, and then we don't have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um it starts like a different game. Yeah. Um because you spend so much time like in your hometown, like running errands and stuff. And it's not a big hometown. No, it's real small. And it takes forever. And I'm gonna be honest, I remember being so frustrated at the um fishing mini game. Like, because it relied on the Wii controls, which are not the most precise, and I could not entirely figure out what it wanted me to do. 
I hated that mini game. Mark, can I can I confess something Please. to you? Please. Fishing in any Zelda game easily the worst part <laughs> of any Zelda game. I don't disagree. I don't I don't ever want to fish. And, and I you get, had to do it. You yeah, had to yeah. do it to like get further into this game. I the first part of this game is does not leave a good impression. No, but once the thing is it like it transitions from the first part of the game to like being out into the world so gradually that like there's no real like on off switch. There's right. no like oh this is the point where I'm having fun cuz like it it just takes a while and like the first like inkling that you are to like uh, a place where you're more free and having fun you're transformed into the wolf and that feels restrictive. Um so the game keeps a leash on you for kind of a long time. And I wonder if that was partly by design. I wonder if it had just been exclusively a GameCube game, if the intro would have been different, if it would have been shorter. Because I, I wonder if part of that was by design because they were wanted to introduce people to the Wii's mechanics and like That's how, interesting. To, how to play a Zelda game on the Wii. Um, that it, that that is really interesting because you do have to do um some just like little uh you know mini quests where like you're making a bird knock a thing down and you do that by pointing the Wii remote at the uh, it's like a beehive or something like that um or where you're wrestling the goats to the ground mm-hmm. um which comes back at the end of the game which is clever but you know 30 hours later you've forgotten about <laughs> it so it doesn't really matter um yeah so i i that that's that's an interesting thought that maybe it does uh tie back into the uh like wanting to show off playing Zelda with motion controls mm-hmm. but like those complaints aside, I think temple-wise, oh yeah, it's one of, if not the strongest, three D Zelda game. Yeah, um, I had so much fun playing through um the 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 temples um in in this one. I I uh, uh also recently played through the not recently this is like over a year ago at this point um the three DS version of Ocarina of Time. And those dungeons take like 20, 25 minutes to mm-hmm. get through. Um, and every single one of the Twilight Princess dungeons is like an hour plus. Like they're, and, and not in like a bad way, but they're like a real investment uh, in like really getting the job done. And like, I don't know, you, you feel so smart, like working your way through them mm-hmm. and understanding the space and being like, Oh man, I just got that gear spinner thing. I'm gonna ride up the wall. <laughs> oh over man, here. that gear spinner is amazing. I wish there was more application for it. Like you use it in that dungeon, and then like two other times, and then it's like done. Well, and that is one of the exciting things again about like Breath of the Wild yeah. is they've prompted because it is very much of the Zelda formula to be like, okay, here's a new item, use it this one time to get through this temple you're in. And then you never really have to use it ever again. Yeah. And Breath of the Wild promises, because they can't, they don't know what order you're going to be solving puzzles in, it'd be like, oh, each thing will have multiple ways to solve it. Whereas, like, with the gear spinner, it's like, I have to use the gear spinner. I have no other choice, which is great. It's a great mechanic. Right. It's but then, fun. Yeah, and, yeah. But then I'm going to move on to the next temple, and I don't have to worry about using the gear spinner ever again. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, as well, Mark, can I tell you about um my like experience of first playing yeah, please. Uh, Twilight Princess? Um so after after I played uh Twilight Princess and uh Wind Waker like back to back for for the first time in that order, Twilight Princess and then Wind Waker. Um 
I kind of stopped playing Zelda games for almost a decade. Um, and it was because I, I got uh, the Wii while I was working as a residence hall director at the um, school that I had graduated from. Um, so I was just one year graduated and I was staying on in a professional capacity. No longer had class. No longer... I had responsibilities, but I didn't have like responsibilities that took time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like just being in my apartment and having the door open, I was doing a good job. Um, and so having the Wii there and having people come by uh, and play uh, tennis or whatever meant that I was doing great. Um, and so whenever I played Twilight Princess, I did so with an audience that there was always yeah, somewhere between five and 15 people in my apartment watching me play this game. Um, so my experience of Twilight Princess is a deeply social thing for me which I understand is a crazy thing to say about a Zelda game that like, usually it's such a solitary, um, almost lonely experience. Um, but for me, Twilight Princess is about, you know, uh, Art Chipley saying like, Oh yeah, you, you got one of those back there. You can, uh, you can open this, this locked door or, uh, Chelsea being like, no, Patrick, it's faster to go the other way. Or, you know, Willie to be like, just let me know, like, oh yeah, we saw the hookshot uh, targets back in in the village, or someone else uh, saying, yeah, why don't you try to use the boomerang to get that heart container piece down after we tried for like an hour to fly <laughs> over there with the chicken. Um, so uh, when um, when Skyward Sword came out, uh, I had this like kind of crisis of like, there's a Zelda game and I want to play it. But I don't know how to do that without having those people around. Um, and I have still really never played, uh, played that game. Um, just because I don't... It feels like it need, I need to have those people around. And, you know, everyone that I've mentioned is now scattered to, you know, the, the four corners of adulthood. Um, but, uh, yeah, just for, for me, it was a very, very like intensely social experience so what was it like playing the hd remake was very different but in was part of it like tied up in the memories of the first time you played it yeah so um yeah i in in a lot of ways uh you know i would find myself laughing at we called those uh those weird naked chickens we called them face chickens (laughs) um and we see yell face chicken be cool be cool chicken <laughs> um so yeah like in in a lot of ways who who can ever say whenever whenever you're playing a, an older game it's gonna be you know boosted by your nostalgia for absolutely it. that's part of the reason we play old games right and part of the reason that we are having these conversations mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah it it felt uh i i was reliving a lot of those same experiences and it's it's hard because like I'm doing that on my own and I can like text people to say like, Hey, I'm, I'm playing twilight princess. And I just, you know, threw this chicken it made me think of you, but like no one's having that experience with me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it was just a further reminder that the older you get, the more isolated and alienated (laughs) you are. And the only happiness you could ever find is a Nintendo eventually (laughs) announcing the NX and then we'll be happy. We'll know what happiness looks like. You're ruining Patrick's life, Nintendo. It's all right. <laughs> um, They've been doing it for 30 years. <laughs> um, 
What's your favorite temple? My, I will tell you, mine is Snow Peak Ruins. Oh, me too. And again, it's actually, an, and I, uh, one like the mechanics in it are uh, great, just like all the other temples in Twilight Princess. But for me, again, it's it's because it's so different from the it like aesthetically, it's very different mm-hmm. from temples that have come before. It's like a giant mansion. Yes, and and, and the courtyard. Yeah, yeah. and. And that, like, plays a big part of it because it, like, again, the other Twilight Princess temples are very mechanically sound, but they also, again, feel like embellishments on temples we've seen before. Yeah. And Snow Peak Ruins feels very different. Yeah, that's uh, and that's a great point. It's also uh, where they introduce you to the um, the Yeti and the Yeti's wife, mm-hmm. which are unique characters in the Zelda canon. Like, mm-hmm. you don't see those weirdos ever again. Um and like he's making soup and like you can you dip in and like have this horrible like fishball soup, um, yeah no that that's such a good temple and it's it's one that you don't really realize that it is a temple yeah. until you've been playing it for like ten minutes. That's because you've never seen anything like it yeah. in a Zelda game and so it's just a giant mansion. You're like oh this is interesting and then you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you're like oh wait a second oh wait a second I just picked up a compass <laughs> yeah, yeah this is the mechanics of a temple, um. Uh, least favorite moment. Uh, least favorite moment. Um, for me this time was the Sky Temple. Mm. Um, there's there's a set of so in in the Sky Temple you pick up a second claw shot, mm-hmm. hook shot, whatever it's called, hook shot. Um, so that you're doing a lot of like hanging from one hook shot target and shooting at another. And there's a stacked set of like rooms that's maybe like four floors high. Where you just have to like hook shot to hook shot to hook shot, like from targets to platforms. Um, and it's so disorienting and like they, it's an intentionally obtuse, like to navigate this room. And is this the one where like if you miss or something, you'd like fall <laughs> into, yeah, <laughs> and you lose half a heart? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that, that was, that was the most frustrating stuff for me. Um, for me, it's not a temple. It is, there's a, um, like, a mission you have to do where a covered wagon. Yes. Yeah, so it's what, an what's, escort mission. Yeah, what's happening is you are escorting the Zora Prince, mm-hmm. who is uh, being oh, taken. Stop it. It all <laughs> makes sense why I don't like the Zora. You know, I think you just, Mark, you got to, it's 2016, man. All right. <laughs> Just be cool. <laughs> You're escorting a Zora prince who is uh, um, injured um, from Hyrule Castle to Kakariko Village mm-hmm. in a covered wagon, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's being chased. Oh. Yeah, I found this mission so frustrating. I actually found any time when you're on like horseback having to mm-hmm. like fight off um, enemies, I did not enjoy any of those moments. And there's a few because the like when you first get out into the wide open field of Hyrule, mm-hmm. you know, part of the, um, one of the things that's very cool about Twilight Princess is the uh, Hyrule field in like Ocarina of Time is, you know, pretty small. Mm-hmm. But when you get out there for Twilight Princess, it feels so expansive. And the music in this game is beautiful. Yeah. That is another thing that I really love about uh, Twilight Princess is the music. And so just riding around with the music and like the atmosphere is amazing. And then you have to do combat occasionally. And it's just not, I did not find it fun. And uh, this escort mission with the Zora Prince, I, that was 
to for me the nadir of twilight princess yeah yeah it's it's kind of a bummer actually yeah and any of the horseback combat um is not great it just feels like another time where they're like okay we'll like use the wiimote but the wiimote really isn't that capable yeah you know um and so it i I just remember being so frustrated it's also kind of just like the regular combat uh especially when played on the gamecube or the wii u version where you're playing on the gamepad um is so compelling on its own that like it's kind of neutered when you put Link on on the horse, and then like the controls are different. The effect of swinging a sword is different. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the weird thing, the interesting thing to me is that it's not just looking back on it in the past, being like, "Oh yeah," like because I could understand if it if at the time we were like, "Wow, the things we can do with the Wii Mode are so awesome." Yeah, and that over time they like look less impressive. But even at the time, it was just like. Oh, why I mean, are yeah. we doing this? At the time, we knew a, a waggle was a waggle. <laughs> yeah, and we knew that wasn't good. <laughs> uh, well, Mark, I th- I think that uh, I think we've covered it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I guess, like, just like overall mm-hmm. impressions of, um, uh, let's not rank it. You know, let's not. What would we rank it against? <laughs> <laughs> the other Zelda games. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, putting it in, you know, like, uh, I don't think we have to put in like a great list, but I I, I don't think it's a bad Zelda game. No, and, uh, but I do think it's a frustrating one. It's not one that when the HD remake was announced, I was not like, I have to go back and replay this. Although after talking to you about it, maybe I should. Yeah, it's it's super fun. You can uh, take the, the Wii home sometime, the Wii U home sometime and and uh, and play it for sure. Um, the uh, just as as long as uh, we're on the subject of the the HD remake and this version, um, the amiibo that comes with it unlocks a wolf specific set of dungeons that you like battle through and it's just it's just battle it's not actually a dungeon i misused dungeon (laughs) um and uh the number of hearts that you make it through that with through through that challenge uh with so your remaining hearts is the number of hearts that the wolf gets when you use it in breath of the wild so that's Super cool! I'm yeah. excited to bring my 17 and a half hearts over. Oh, that's pretty good. From, thank you. Out of, out of 20, that's his. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I did. I didn't even have all 20 hearts because I, you know, didn't even start with that many. Oh yeah. Uh, in any event, it's just neat to have that kind of functionality. But yeah, what are your forward. overall thoughts on Twilight Princess? Overall thoughts on Twilight Princess, I think, are maybe more positive than yours. Um. But I am willing to concede that that's all just tied up in uh, people I don't get to see every day that I used to see every day. Great. (laughs) Well, Mark, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. We are just at Nincart Society. You know, Twitter has its own rules about how long your name can be. So Nincart Society. Uh, check us out on Facebook. The page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. It's still a pretty sparsely populated page, but we will get something on there shortly. Uh, if you get a chance, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, and while you're at it, you can check out uh, other shows that are on the What's a Creative podcast network. We're proud to be part of uh, What's a Creative. So if you like what you heard here, uh, there's a good chance you'll find other stuff there that you like. Our uh, logo was created by Olivia Duncan. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can find more 8-Bit Betty music on 8 or you can listen up right now. <laughs>